this is sort of a hot take. Do it. This is actually a really, really hot take, Ooh. and I might get canceled for this Uh-oh. one. Um, my so, sort of my observation is like I've known quite a bit of trans people in the area. All right, okay. Yeah, I've known trans people, and uh, trans women sometimes exhibit like behaviors that I feel like I a lot of like my high school friends did where they're just kind of just kind of douchey yes. and shitty yeah and like I can't help but feel like it I, I feel like transitioning you know medically or whatever okay this sounds bad uh no transitioning at all ever genuinely at all ever is literally a process of like relearning everything but sometimes like people just don't unlearn these shitty behaviors that they do and so like you get these like sometimes you get these trans people that you're like Babe, why are you being an asshole? Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, yeah. well, being—that's the thing. Being <clears throat> being trans doesn't make you a good person. Exactly, and that's something that, like, I remember before I knew any other trans people, I was like, God damn, I just I just want to know other trans people and all of them. I just want to be friends with all the trans people. I want to hang out with all the trans people. I want to date just about any trans person, like all that stuff. You know, thinking about that stuff, and like this then you start to do that and you realize oh trans people are like all people yes in that 99 percent of them are total shit yeah <laughs> you're Abs- like god damn it yeah well you know they're being, just assholes being, yeah. i don't get it well being trans is just one more aspect of somebody's personality exactly mm-hmm. but but it's just the amount of people out there that are didn't like mean and demeaning to other trans people like fucking i i I work with another trans person i'm not going to name names or anything but uh literally like her and her girlfriend just berated me for a long time about how i wasn't wearing heels that day and i was like why do i have to fucking wear heels and they're like oh honey one day you're gonna wear heels and then you'll be a real woman and it's like why don't you fucking Meet me in the parking lot. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is that? What, it's like... Yeah, what the fuck are you doing telling me about <clears throat> being a real woman? Well, yeah, it's like... Well, uh, first off, that's, like, incredibly misogynistic, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, on another level, it's stupid and not true. Right. And also, it's like... it, com- Like, ah, it's gender reinforcement in the worst possible way. And also, like, that's not what makes somebody a fucking woman, right? Yeah. And, and also, it's an attack on my womanhood. Yes. Which is, like, cool that you can fucking do that, that some trans person that's been around a little longer <laughs> thinks they can just fucking do that to you. Yeah. You know. There is definitely, <sighs> there. There are, there's a contingent of... of- older trans people who feel like, oh, I've been through this, so I know. But everybody everybody goes through different shit, and not everybody, especially now as our definitions of the transgender experience continue to expand, there's a lot of policing of like, well, you don't have dysphoria, therefore you're not trans. Or yeah. you don't, like... You don't present uh, uh, as, woman, as a woman full-time, therefore you're not trans. Right. And it's like, it, it really doesn't fucking matter. It's all of this shit that we're trying to say, like, this is this is the benchmark. All you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. Right. 
and and you're you're cutting off empathy for other right. people. And I don't mean to bring up Natalie, right? But like that okay we're, we're pretty we're, past this now but i don't know you you made that video about the aesthetic and stuff so you you are the the resident expert on that video I yeah suppose. but it's just like the part of that video that really upset me really fucking upset me was the bit where the one trans character makes the other trans character walk in heels yeah and it's like uh, oh first off i don't know what the obsession with fucking heels is uh, but but like that is not womanhood, right? And and that is argued in the video. But at the at the end of the day, they, they, they you know they still win. They're still walking in heels. And then like Natalie's response to all that stuff was just like, I feel like trans women like that person have taught me a lot. And it's like yes, but also like you have to acknowledge and admit that that's pretty shitty. Like to do to somebody, yeah, and and like me in a vulnerable position, I have heels. I don't wear them a lot because I don't really. That's not my thing. Yeah, like, that's not what makes me feel like a woman or something. And, and it's just like super doesn't matter. Yeah, it's so inconsequential to this whole thing. And it's just like, what is the deal with these like? signifiers of womanhood and then just like doubling down on the need for the existence of these signifiers like why don't we just fucking change everything right why don't we just change what it means to be a woman have you looked at women like they don't fucking look like that yeah Yeah. you know and it's like so why are you policing it absolutely it's horse shit it is they're a bunch of horse shit artists Uh, yeah (laughs) Elliot Elliot uh, I'm curious uh, you can Jump in with whatever you were about to say, but I am uh, curious. Like, do, are there similar things for on, on your side of? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing like makeup and stuff like that. I'm not really allowed to do. I really like doing makeup. I really like doing makeup. I um, I mean, when I still identified as a woman, I would do my makeup every day, and I spent so much time on like trying different eyeshadows and stuff. And like, I you know. I, there's one aspect of it where it's like if I wear makeup in public, you know, people are going to see me as a woman and that fucking blows. But also, like, I just don't really like wearing makeup anymore. So I'm always like, May, let me put makeup on you. I have to do this. And um, <laughs> it's true. It's just kind of. Uh, it's something I really like to do, but I can't do it anymore. So I live vicariously through her. Um, <laughs> That's the real basis of a relationship. You're just like trying to enjoy the the good, cool, creative, like use your body as art things about being a woman. And you just put that shit on me. And I'm just <laughs> like, hey, please do. I like yeah. that. Anyway, go ahead. Well, and then also like, I don't, well, the one thing I was going to say is like, if, if like a cis woman can like go out in public in like a big old baggy hoodie and some jeans and still be a woman to everyone, like why can't trans woman? I, I, I dated this one girl for a while and she fucking, uh, she was a trans woman. She fucking hated dresses and so she just wear like these big baggy t-shirts and some jeans and it's just like why should she have to wear dresses to be taken seriously as a woman yeah i want her to just wear some if she wants to wear some fucking jeans just wear some fucking jeans she hated makeup too it was just like yeah why not a lot of cis women hate wearing makeup a lot of cis women wear baggy shirts and stuff and then in terms of like being a being a a trans mask a lot of it just comes with like wearing makeup and like binders are really uncomfortable but if i wear a sports bra i get super uncomfortable um there's certain outfits i can't wear anymore but then also at the same time i feel like um 
coming out and being like respected as a man has made me more interested in exploring like my feminine side like a lot of these movies that i avoided watching as like a teenager because i was like those are dumb chick flicks like (laughs) mama mia and stuff i went back and watched it like after i came out i was like this fucking slaps this movie fucking slaps i love abba in the theater for the second one holy shit this fucking slaps and so now i'm going back and i like i i have this abba shirt back in spokane i kind of want it here i want to bring my abba shirt over (laughs) here okay but um yeah i i don't know and wearing stuff like pink i'm a little bit interested in now there was um there's this 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 sweater at Target that was like pink and then in this like fancy cursive said champagne please and like I I was making little jokes about wanting that but also I kind of really want that like I'm I'm so like fascinated by um kind of bubblegum pop kind of pink uh sort of mean girls-esque fashion yeah and i've always wanted to wear more of it and now i kind of i want to explore that side of myself a lot more and uh get into it because i think it's so beautiful and i was never able to admit that to myself until like recently yeah well i think that's for me that is the the ideal is when you come out and you embrace yourself, you're more able to experiment. And mm-hmm. like the idea that there are these rigid, definable things, these categories of appearance, that that's what you should adhere to and the otherwise is like gender treason. Right. It's, it's backwards and it's harmful when the cis men should feel free to experiment in that same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Cis Absolutely. women should, should feel free to experiment in that same way. <clears throat> right. And so all of this is just reinforcing more of the problem. And I think, like, for me, my own presentation, uh, I have some dresses. I never wear them. Mm-hmm. I just, I kind of prefer, like, a more androgynous look, and I occasionally will go a little bit more femme, but, like, that's just how I, that's what makes me feel comfortable. Right. right? And it's ludicrous that there is this, there's just so much, like, weight put on all of these signifiers. Right. Right. Well, and it's like, and everybody's so, like, I don't know, it's this thing that my therapist said to me, that where, where they're like, you know, people never actually, like, mean, mean what they say or whatever. It's not, it's not like, when somebody is transphobic, for instance, you know, they're not afraid of trans people they're are just ripping that sweet vape yep. next to me at the moment yep i'm just no i was literally just like listening like okay i want to i don't want to interrupt but i just have to say uh, there's there's just like these sweet vape noises going on like yeah, yeah, real yeah. strong maybe i was thinking maybe we should acknowledge the fact that i have been vaping through this whole podcast yeah. it's kind of the worst <laughs> i I don't. I don't fucking care. Okay. I want. I want people to criticize me for being unprofessional. Yeah. 
anyway. come at me. Anyway, yeah. what was I saying? Oh, yeah, it was uh, some of the therapists said, like, um, people aren't transphobic because they're afraid of trans people. They're afraid of, like, what those things represent to themselves or they're angry that they've developed some sort of personal freedom to go out and just be that way mm-hmm. where, you know, most people feel like they live in this kind of prison cell, like, and and so seeing people that aren't living in that same prison cell like really alienates them or something like that. It's like the specifics of it are, are a lot more complicated than people scared of gay people or trans people or, or whatever. And it's the same with like so many other things. There's this there's this goth YouTuber that I love called It's Black Friday. <laughs> and basically she does uh, these like unboxings of like goth outfits and then goes out. And just wears them out. And she's fucking so powerful. Like, it's incredible to watch her. Because she's just like, yep, I'm... And she's got this, like, you know, sort of little New Zealand voice. And she's really sweet. and But she looks like, you know, the gothist. Awesome. It's really cool. It's very inspo. But, um... I go, like, I watch her go out, and and it's, like, very similar to the way that I feel when I go out, where it's, like, you know, she's, like, luckily no children cried when they saw me today, you know? <laughs> I got a lot of staring, but it was kind of cool. I just looked them in the eyes, you know? And it's, like, it's that way with so many fucking things, where if you, like, get some sort of personal freedom, people hate that absolutely hate it. and it's it's the same with like piercings and like tattoos and all of that you know i i have this sort of personal freedom and people are uncomfortable with that and also people are people that are are not close to you are afraid of you and angry at you because you're exhibiting personal freedom but the people close to you are angry and scared of you because they're afraid you're gonna be perceived as weak I think, yeah. like, you know, uh, people are gonna gonna look at you differently or treat you differently, or you're not gonna get as far in life, or you're not be, gonna be able to get a job if you have a tattoo on your hand, you know, that sort of thing that people throw out. And it's like, why would I ever want to work for a place that wouldn't let me have a fucking tattoo on my hand? You right. know what I mean? It's like, why why would I want to do that to myself? But um, I understand that we have a world that, that is very based on needs and, like, you do the things that you need to do to, to adhere to company policies or whatever just to make enough money to live. But, like, it's not weakness to, no. to be oneself. And the thing is, like, like, I'm in a fairly stable position. There is literally no reason why anybody should be judging me for any of my fucking fashion choices absolutely not uh no of course not it's like i make my money on on youtube and i also have a a shitty mall job (laughs) and i do what i do and 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 i'm pretty content with that and i have a lot of piercings on my face now and i have tattoos and i'm trans and open about that i don't hide it i wear bras to work and I, you know, I wear full makeup every day. You know, it's it's like a it's a full time job being a woman, and I I'm not shying away from that sort of thing. Yeah. So when like family or friends get concerned, right? They literally have nothing to be concerned about, and that's the thing is like it's so easy. I think for a lot of trans people to see that as like you know, how do I tackle transphobia in my family? And the answer is you need to show them that you're actually very fucking strong. Yes. You're very strong. And like, 
you're stronger because of these things. Absolutely. And like, you need to not be meek about it and not treat it as like some sort of potential weakness because that's how they see it. Yeah. They see being trans as being a weakness, you know, and they also, let's be real. They, you know, mainstream society is not going to say that trans women are women. Like, like is very clearly true. They're going to say, you know, trans women are men that have decided to live the life of a woman or whatever. Uh, which means that w- w- we perceive, like, society perceives women as weaker, the weaker sex. So that basically means that it's men who want, who are choosing to be weaker. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to fucking think that. And that's the thing you have to, you have to counteract and you have to change and you have to fight against. Like, yes. that's the thing. So, like, I was telling this to somebody at the show last night where they were, like, you know, terrified of their family. I'm terrified of my family. Don't get me wrong. But it's like you have to show them that you're fucking strong. Absolutely. There's one thing I kind of want to talk about. So both of you grew up in um, the South. And so um, there's a huge like cultural difference between like the way I experienced, you know, being trans out in the open and the way you two experience being trans. Like, um, I, you know, the way my philosophy with my family is more often than not, I'm just like always blatantly honest with them about something and I just own it. Like here, here's a good one. Um, since I moved, my dad has been going through my room and like throwing away stuff I don't need. And then like putting stuff in a box to ship to me. And, um, he found my big old stack of sex toys (laughs) and, um, instead of, you know, trying to come up with some sort of excuse. I was just kind of like, yep, those are my sex toys. Dad, that's my strap on. That's my my strap on dad. Check out my strap on. Um, and it's just, it's, um, my parents were very invasive throughout my childhood. My dad would like go through my trash and, um, go through my things. And so to combat that, I started going through his things. I would like sneak into his room when he was like sleeping on the couch and I would just like go through his shit and like see what I could find. And anything he did find, I just kind of learned to own it and, be like, yeah, I, I mean, that's a thing that I did or that's a thing that I have. And if you don't like it, that sucks. I still have it. That's still something that I own. That's still something that I did. It was the same with moving to Texas. It's just like, if you just fucking own it, you know, what are they going to do about it? Yeah. And I mean, like people in Spokane are very, are very uh, trans friendly for the most part. I mean, as much as a cis person can be, but, um, Yeah, I never really felt threatened. And I think it's also worth acknowledging that like the trans woman experience is different than the trans man experience, because I I think that on a certain level, trans women have like face more danger than like a trans man might. I don't know if that's like controversial or anything, but I think that there's like certain things that trans women have to experience that trans men will just they'll never really quite understand that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, that's such a that's a hard topic to to try to get into because it is like I I, I can't speak to that at all. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know as far as how it, it how it is like here growing up in the South. Like uh, I never felt like 
trans people were welcome at all, yeah. which is why it took me so long to realize I was trans. Right. Yep. Um, and, and anything that was uh, wrong with me was 100% my fault. And I was not allowed to see it as something that like, the world was doing to me. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to do that, I was like ridiculed and like, oh, you're just not taking responsibility mm-hmm. for yourself. And so I did. I blamed myself for everything that was wrong with me for years. Right. And uh, uh, to an extent, you can't help but turn that out on other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was, a, I was a piece of shit for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Same. And it's... I don't know. There's a lot of this that I still can't speak to because I'm not... Besides the fact that I'm not terribly social and like I don't have a job mm-hmm. uh, uh, at the moment, I um, I just I haven't I haven't been out for very long and I right. don't I don't present as 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 female much yet and like mm-hmm. it's only been in the last six months that I've been like hey I'm I'm Sarah now right. and demanding people that to, to, to right. say uh, uh, and so I don't know I, I think May could probably speak to that a little bit more. There's but. a car coming. Can you see it? Anyway, these are lyrics. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I hate it. Um, no, but but um, that was my initial thought when, when you were saying that, because like, that's sort of what that means to me. Yeah. It's just like, uh, I don't mean to analyze myself, but like those lyrics, like people are always asking about those lyrics, like, what are you talking about? And it's like, there's there's a ride that you can take. You got to choose whether you want to take that ride or not. And like if you regardless of whether or not you take that ride, people are going to say you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Uh, So like like that that song is a song called Mistress uh, is about like how how literally there never is a right answer for anything. Mm -hmm. So you just have to. Like, do what you want to do and accept the consequences of that. And it's mm-hmm. like, growing up around here, whew, yeah. it's a bit rough. A uh, bit. Because, because people are going to judge you the fuck no matter what. And, like, at some point you have to be like, there's okay. a car coming. Am I going to get in it or not? Yeah. And am I going to get in it? Yeah. Like, if you're, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to demean me and, like, hate me. Right. No matter what, fuck it. Then we're just, I'm going to own it. We're fucking crazy. You know, yeah. I'm just, that's who I am. Absolutely. I am that. You're and, right. And, and I think that this is why it's so important to find other people, like other trans people. Yeah. To absolutely. talk to, like build, a, find a community or build one. Because I know uh, uh, when I, when I first really started talking to trans people, it was like, I said this way back on the podcast. It was like, oh, I just jump started my transition by like six months. I just like did a hack and went way ahead. Yeah. I skipped like six levels because I was so isolated in my own head. And then when you talk to other people, it's like, oh, this isn't some fucking weird like thing. This is just it's fucking normal. Yeah. It's just nothing that anybody else talks about. And when you're together with people, it's like, oh, we just are who we are and nobody gives a shit. 
Well, okay, so I want to reiterate, or not reiterate, I want to restructure something that I said okay. uh, a little bit earlier, uh, that now that I'm kind of thinking about it um, and listening to you two talk, I guess it's 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 less that trans men have some sort of element of privilege, but more like, I guess the big differing big difference between the two experiences is people lash out um, much more at trans women, whereas with trans men, they kind of just like ignore them mm-hmm. and play them off as like whatever. And that's like... I mean, there is like a level of, I guess, misogyny within there because like people are just kind of like, oh, trans men are just they're just women pretending to be men. And like historically within like human sexuality, like the study of human sexuality, people are just kind of they ignore the experience of people like like lesbians. Um, There's just like, the you know, the idea that two women could have sex with each other and no, oh no men are involved. What no, is that? that's yeah. that's never happened. That's right. never happened. That ain't real. So I guess it's kind of it's they're two very unpleasant experiences for their own reasons. Yeah. Um, in the terms of like a trans man, it's more like passive and kind of just you're just constantly being dismissed. Yeah, and, you're not um, real. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not necessarily an element of privilege, I guess. It's just more of a different experience entirely it's less like violent and in your face because people are so just like violent towards trans women i've never um i've never had anyone be violent towards me for being trans and maybe part of it is living in washington (laughs) but also part of it is like i yeah i just think it's they're two different experiences yeah in the episode that will have aired uh before this one i talked to artist uh chi and he brought up a lot of similar points, but he also pointed out that like uh, cis women are allowed like the tomboy aesthetic, mm-hmm. yeah, and there's nothing comparable for cis men. No, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that sort of opens the door for understanding the difference. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, because uh, since traditional femininity is already seen as like the bottom rung, it's like oh, you can play it masculinity that's cute but right but when but when you're perceived as masculine and you're you're trying to appear more feminine it's like what's the what the fuck is wrong with you right why, why are you so gross and weird what's up with it i don't know it's it's bizarre why would you want to do that yeah why would yeah. you why would you want to do this to yourself and why would, don't why would you strive to get rid of your masculinity where yeah masculinity is the like aesthetic ideal or something like that for the world right and yeah uh uh i think that there's also a significant amount of insecurity there yeah which is mm-hmm. the the like if if this is a thing that is not necessarily inherent to, to people, but it is like a social thing. Then that right. could mean that my gender is not right. Yeah, and, and what is gender? And you have right. to think about it. the thing is nobody ever wants to have a hard sociological conversation about their own existence. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody, because the second uh, that they do, all these doors fly open, and then they have to deal with that shit. Yeah, and it's like. Some like for me like that those sorts of doors were always gonna find their way open like I knew that since I was young. I feel like this but. ties our entire conversation up in a nice loop because it's like the theme with 
with Garrett was that this conversation was uh, uh, just dudes saying like basic film theory shit back and forth, not really like having a conversation, but just sort of like Mm -hmm. reciting an encyclopedia back to each other. Right. Not actually like every time we tried to get them to, to consider a question, I could tell Jack was trying to follow along, but then Garrett tracked him back. But like, uh, now we're getting into the real gossip, I guess. I'm I'm the one no, who's going to for it. But like, here's your hot take. Yeah, Let's go. but like, it's it's this thing that I as I just graduated film school, and uh, uh, I, there were there were a couple of like cis dudes who always do this thing where they're just uh, they would raise their hand to answer a question. And they'd be like, okay, so we're talking about this movie. Uh, this reminds me of this director's other film, which stars these people, and it came out this year, and it's about this thing. And it goes Wikipedia on, articles. Yeah, yeah, on and on and on and on and on. And I've there were a couple of times in, in class where, the, where we're like doing criticism of a student's work, and he would just go off, and I literally like, is this what we're doing? Like, I'd raise my hand, like, hey, is this what we're doing right now? <laughs> and he looked at me like so wounded. Yeah. Like, but well, I mean, That's I thought the it was only interesting. way that we talk about things. Yeah, and right. I'm like, like, no, but but we're supposed to be talking about this person's film that they just fucking showed, and right. this is irrelevant. And so there's, it's just like this. Everything is in auto drive, right? And it's like that conversation with a lot of film people that's just like the basics that everybody already knows and agrees with. It's real safe. It's not really like engaging. And when you at, try to ask. Like what actually inherently makes Citizen Kane worth talking about? Why is that superior to any other film that exists beyond exactly. just like the historical significance or what the fuck ever? Like aesthetically, personally, spiritually, why does it resonate right. more than any other film? And why does that give it more value or less value than any other right. thing? And that's a, that's a difficult question to get into. And I feel like like there's that and it's like personality and fucking cub moth with her fucking Nazi butterflies. butterflies. Every Everybody like recites this without ever fucking thinking about it. Like butterflies are not Nazis. Yeah, they they can hot take butterflies. Sometimes aren't Nazis. Sometimes they're fine. Sometimes they're fine. Why does well? Why does Citizen Kane get to be the big important movie? There. See, this is what I literally asked on the thing. Yeah, it's like I think we need to move away from Citizen Kane and we need to talk about something more interesting. Yeah, like I've always felt that way, and it's yeah. not necessarily that I think like Citizen Kane is shit or something like that. It's just like you ha- you have it on your shelf. Yeah, I do. Like I, of course, you know, I've seen Citizen Kane, y'all. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like. I, I, like on the stream, I was like, "Y'all seen Freaks? <laughs> yeah. Like that movie is fucking wild. Can we talk about Freaks? Like, there's a real conversation in there somewhere, and it's like nobody's willing to have that because they just want to talk about how Greg Toland, you know, yeah. dug a ditch. Right. Here's the thing, um, Citizen Kane is f- is fucking sucks. Um, oh new here, new rules, new rules. If you want your movie to be the best film ever made, you got to have at least one black person. Oh, you you have to damn. put one one at least one black person, Ugh. and they have to they have to talk they have to talk. Sorry, yeah. 
words. They yeah. have to say some words. Sorry, Wes Anderson. They have to be. Yeah, sorry, Wes Anderson. Sorry, Tim Burton. Does Tim Burton know what a black person is? No. I don't he think he does. He only very recently found out, and he was terrified. There's yeah. only one black person, and it's Samuel L. Jackson. And he's, right. the, he's yeah, like, he's oh, okay, yeah. And all of that. Yeah, I can't... D- I can't have a black person playing a lead. I'm Tim Burton. Oh god, Maggie Maggie May Fish has a great video I about it. yeah about Just fucking tight. Yeah. Love Maggie. I watched that. It's hey, fucking Maggie, tight. One more thing. Podcast. Little little piece of advice. Little piece of advice. Um, I I'm not a I'm not a um uh, I'm not a woman right now. But when I was a woman, uh. And men were talking down to me and talking around me and just blatantly ignoring me. I kind of learned that, like, if if you're a woman and you're kind of constantly being berated and, like, ignored and treated like shit, there is a nugget of, like freedom that you can find within there to kind of say whatever the fuck you want and men will just kind of be like uh-huh you're you know i'd say like yeah, the weirdest cute. i'd yeah. say the weirdest fucking shit to men all the time they'd be like oh you're quirky like i like it you're quirky with your little straight across bangs um so and that's especially true on like youtube it's like if you're already fucking like hated and berated because you're a trans woman or something like that it's just you you can basically just do whatever the fuck you want because people are going to be pissed at you either way you can say whatever you want and you'll be able to find like this this freedom within being unpopular and hated elliot elliot are you subtweeting me what are you talking about me in general. Oh, just sort of in general. Well, you know, I'm just thinking of all the trans women YouTubers I know <laughs> and how they're all in this room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank you for subtweeting me in front yeah. of but I mean, this is Sorry. a. It's okay. Well, I, I don't. I think that this is a lesson because it's something that I struggle with, where I'm constantly negotiating what my message is and how it will be perceived. Well, and, sorry. No, you're fine. I don't mind being talked over by a man. Oh, oh no. my god. I'm used to it. Thank you now. for that. <laughs> <laughs> um uh but uh the other thing was like, I don't know, I was talking to May about this and she was saying like she, she we were talking about how she feels like she has to well, you you know, why don't you talk for yourself? Well, you feel like you have to be intellectual. Here? Oh yeah. Well, like so here's the thing. Last night we watched the Greasy Strangler, yeah, we right? Did. And like honestly, that's the only fucking movie I care about anymore. Well, that <laughs> we watched Wild at Heart and Greasy Strangler, and I was like, these movies fucking own. And like, I feel no need to be to like sit somebody down and explain to them why it's good. Yeah. Because like it's there on the screen, and if you're gonna see it, you're gonna see it. If you're not, you're not. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have to like explain to you the ending of the greasy strangler for no. you to be like oh wow yeah you know i didn't have to explain mandy to you or anything we had a conversation oh, about yeah it. we had a conversation about both of these movies and wild at heart or whatever yeah. but <clears throat> but like my job for most of my adult life my career has been to sit people down and fucking carefully explain movies to them yeah and it's like nobody needs that or wants that and honestly, like the like the greasy strangler is so much more in line with shit that I actually want to talk about. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I have to find a way to break out of this mold of like talking about a movie means sitting down and explaining it to somebody. Yeah. 
I don't want to explain it to somebody. I also like don't feel this need to over intellectualize a movie like that. Part of it is just I just kind of want to be like this movie fucking rules. Yeah, you know, and and it's like how do you even quantify that? How and, and I think the only way to do it really is to find some like lens to talk about either your experience with it yes. or yourself. Yes. You know, you're either talking about one of those two things and people online get so angry with me when I say things like this. Like people tweet me all the time and they're like, why did you stop making intellectual analysis and basically start just talking about yourself or start just talking about your experience with a movie? May. You yeah. need to be you need to be objective with your criticism. Yeah, where's my objective criticism? And it and it's like honestly, I feel no fucking need to do that anymore. Right. Like it's nonsense. It's, it's boring. Nonsense. It's boring, it's nonsense. We already know. Like how many fucking video essays exist right. right now that talk about the same like three concepts? I can't wait to hear another person explain the Kuleshov effect. Yeah, for real. I'm really stoked <laughs> to hear about that one more time. You know, and yeah. and and and, and uh, there's this musician named John Mouse, and there's this like video of him going off like in 2011, just intellectually, just because he's got like a doctorate or whatever. I don't know. He's like this, but he's also like. He's also like scatterbrained. It's kind of amazing. But he's like going off and he's like, YouTube is amazing. YouTube is amazing because because you can talk about anything. And like right now we're all connected and we can all do the things. But like everybody on YouTube's like a jack off because they're all like, here, let me carefully explain to you the basics of something. And he's like, I don't want that. I want somebody that like actually sits down and explains all the details of something and like really actually gets into the nitty gritty stuff. But yeah. nobody does that. Everybody wants to start at the beginning as if everybody's fucking stupid. And it's just yeah. every every film video I see now, I'm just like, yo. Yeah. I'm so tired absolutely bye elliot elliot is going to the to the toilet oh god cool anyway <laughs> this has been my ted talk i yeah. just like i'm so tired so, but uh yeah it's just like tell me something i honestly 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 don't fucking know or tell me about you yes yeah that's the thing what I try to do in my videos and what I'm trying to do more of is not just like, I just, all I want to do is make interesting connections. Yeah. Like one of my more popular earlier videos is comparing the fight scene to preacher and iron fist. And it's not just close scene analysis. It's also like, I thought it was interesting comparing fight scenes to musical numbers and the history of musical numbers to the history of fight scenes. And like right. saying like how well integrated a fight scene is into a film says a lot about the story where like, if there's a, just a fight where, okay, we start the fight and it ends. And now it's like, okay, get back to the scene as opposed to a fight that happens. that ha is necessary for the story. I don't know. Like those connections, getting people to think about, a genre of film that they might not have thought about before. I find that a little bit rewarding because I like to bring attention to films that, that people don't know as well uh, uh, through things that they do know. But I also, yeah, I mean like the Twin Peaks thing is about the fandom and detailing it in a way that nobody knows. All of these things are like objective, whatever. Right. But I also, 
good I, fucking luck getting in here. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I really want to do a video about Krzysztof Kieslowski's Blue and yeah. how that film m- makes me feel. And the thing that I want... I don't know. I want I want to do a video about that film that doesn't talk about the film ever. And it's just like this 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 is my feeling. This right. is like how I die every time I watch it. Right. And just like there are so many aesthetic things. Like I'm clenching my fist right now because there's a point where Juliette Binoche closes her fist and just drags her fucking fist across like a brick wall um, and literally tears her knuckles open on camera. Nice. Because it, and it's like that movie is so viscerally painful, and I've watched it so many times, and it does it. It's it's one of those films that you do a disservice by trying to talk about it in like this intellectual way because it's a pre-intellectual film. It's about an emotion, right? And you know, I could point out, oh, there's such interesting diegetic play with the music, where diegetic music becomes non-diegetic and vice versa. Sometimes you can't. All this shit, like, it's fun, but it's like you're describing the artifice right. of, of, a, of a spiritual experience. Right. And I want to get at the, the heart of the fucking thing. Right, exactly. Well, everybody's like, it's like a magic trick, right? Like, movies are like a magic trick, and everybody wants to explain the trick. Right. Everybody wants to carefully like analyze the basics of like magic but like nobody's talking about the actual fucking magic and how that made you feel and 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 this is the deal is i've i've seen so many of those videos where the comments are like well cool now i feel like i don't have to watch this movie and it's like i don't want to explain how the movie works so that you don't have to watch it i want to explain how it makes you fucking feel so that you actually want to watch it and experience right. it for yourself right exactly this is not a substitute this is an expansion. That's exactly. what it should be. Yeah, exactly. And and also like when when we sit down and we carefully examine the artifice so very constantly, people will only exclusively watch movies to examine the artifice. Ding. And like actually enjoying and engaging with the experience is dead. It's just dead. Yeah. Yeah. Ding. 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 Cinema sins. Oh. Ding. Right. That's a sin. You you just blasphemed. Yeah. And I, I remember when I was in film school, like somebody did a video essay about uh, about how wonderful uh, movie critics on YouTube were and cited everybody, you know, sure. Ralph, the movie maker, <laughs> YMS, uh, yeah. nostalgia critic, oh. cinema sins, like oh. how they're doing this wonderful thing for cinema where we're breaking down and, and, and reinterpreting and understanding cinema. And it's like by understand understanding cinema, you're actually simultaneously Killing and understanding. Absolutely. This podcast has gone on for a fucking long like while. Like two, three hours here yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're at one, it's going to be a two-part episode. Yeah. We're at one hour, 38 minutes. Damn um, shit. I, since we're already going this long, I just want to, real quick, get you all to say something. Um, what's what's some shit that, you're, that you like or that you're into right now? Elliot, go. I'm really into, like... 2000s horror movies oh fuck yeah um like well i guess it 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 kind of expands to like 1999 and 2010 so we've got like i recently we watched uh house of wax bride of chucky 
Um, what else? Well, I'm really into the movie Urban Legends, which has kind of <sighs> taken on this, um, what's the word? Like, uh, the cult film. Well, no, it's not. Well, people actually really hate that movie because they think it's a knockoff of Scream. That's what I mean. Oh, like yeah. people, people perceive it as like the Scream knockoff. Um, I think it fucking rules. Yeah. If you ask me why I think it fucking rules, I just put on the movie and, and point at, point at the kill that's happening on screen. And I'd be like, look at it. Look how fucking awesome that is. That's fucking awesome. Well, and it's weird because, like, I've been watching them all with you. And, like, mm-hmm. li- we watch House of a Thousand Corpses. We watch, like, all these weird staples of, like, cult and mainstream horror movies lately in the yeah. 2000s. And, I mean, there are obvious similarities and there are obvious differences. But, like, the the big thing is just, like, how do you talk about this? Yeah. How the fuck do you talk about this? Well, that's the thing, right? Like we, me and May would try to like, or I try, I, w- I wanted <laughs> to write something on House of Wax and I'd try to approach it from like a, from like a intellectual um, perspective. And then like, I, I, I had all these ideas written down in a notebook. Like I'll talk about like isolation and da, 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 da. And then I watched the movie and it's just like, um, you know, I could talk about, like these things but consider this that scene where um jared padalecki is coated in wax and sitting at the piano and he's still alive and the 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 killer he takes a knife and he slices off part of his face and you can see like his teeth and shit like that's fucking cool yeah that's cool as shit that's so cool and like yeah i don't know i mean (laughs) like when we were watching it we we just couldn't get over the fact that this movie is so fucking stupid. Like, it's so fucking stupid. Uh, like, the end of the movie, like, they were conjoined twins, and, like, the killer accidentally cuts a, a wax figure of two conjoined twins in half, and it's like, okay, and then and then when the killers die, like, there's two killers, uh, one falls on top of the other one in the exact way that they were when they were conjoined, and you're just like... This movie is this movie fucking sucks. Like that's <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. But it's also like I feel like watching it is just an amazing experience. Like yeah. I don't know, just like pointing at it and being like, "Look what they're doing." Well, you know, yeah. how does this make you feel? I have no fucking idea. But it's I, fucking awesome. But it's fucking awesome. It's like I'm so here for this. And like honestly, it's very confounding because, like, yeah. I grew up on this shit and I have no idea how to talk about it. What is the movie House of a Thousand Corpses about? Yeah. Like, w- just break it down to its fundamentals. I have no fucking idea. What's that movie about? Who cares? <laughs> Who did cares? you see that scene where, you know, that's how I feel about the Greasy cool Strangler. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and like, um, oh God, what was the one? Bride of Chucky. Like, okay, here's a little uh, embarrassing <laughs> fact about me. Um, I know it's like, it's easy to slam dunk on Rob Zombie, but like the opening credits of that movie where they're blasting like living dead girl after Jennifer Tilly just slit this guy's throat. She's fucking walking away in her tight little leather outfit. And um, then like living dead girl starts blasting and then the title sequence comes on and it's all like animated and stupid and bad. I'm every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) You and I could not breathe. Like living dead girl comes on and I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Like so here for it. I don't. But what what I don't even know, like. 
it's so stupid that no one would ever do it now. And I also think that's an extreme disappointment because, like, please bring that back. I yeah. love it. You know, stop being so fucking serious. Shout exactly. out to Ronnie Yu. Yeah, shout out to Ronnie Yu, the best. Who did? Uh, who also did Freddy versus Jason? He did Bride <sighs> of Chucky, Freddy versus Jason. In Freddy versus Jason, there's like a scene. I'm sure many of you have seen it, but like. Uh, where Freddy turns into like a caterpillar and then takes out like a bong and takes a hit of it and blows it in this guy's face. Like, you would never see, no one would even dare doing that. Bad horror movies in, in like the 2010s are like, they're boring. They're boring as shit. They're PG 13. Usually haunted house movies. Yeah, haunted house. But like in the 2000s, a bad horror movie had Freddy Krueger as a caterpillar doing a sick taking bomb a hit of a bomb. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what had happened? What yeah. had happened? And who, anyway. who decides which bad movies are worth discussing critically or, or, you know, giving the time of day to? And who decides which ones aren't? Like, right. why does a movie like the room get all of the discussion movies like sharknado why do people think those are worth discussing and hyping up but when you look at like jennifer's body or um house of wax it's just like oh those movies are you know they're just just dumb don't worry about them they're they're dumb that ironically brings me to my thing because like you wanted me to talk to uh (laughs) and and, like you (laughs) no 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 babe it's fine but you you we were talking uh about that and like jennifer's body could have easily been the thing that I was like, this movie fucking rules and this is kind of my jam right now. But I, I'm between that and like talking about High School Record because that movie is also my fucking jam. But also we watched Return of the Living Dead and that movie is my fucking jam. And we've been watching a lot of great, great shit. We haven't watched anything lately that we were like, this is dull and boring. Like we've yeah. had fucking fun. House that Jack built. Oh shit, we watched House of Jackville. Did you see that? Huh. It's the new Lars von Trier movie. Oh, okay. It's uh great. Okay. Loved it. Loved every second of it. And by loved it, I mean wanted to go anywhere other than where the living room was. Yeah, that's like, how I feel watching Lars von Trier. It wasn't yeah. even shocking. It was like shockingly fucking dull. Oh. And you're just like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> you know, like, anyway. What was a good thing, thing yeah. I've been digging on. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about High School Record, I guess. Um, Go for it. Okay, so High School Record is a movie that Elliot brought and showed me, and um, he hyped it up to be something, but didn't tell me any of the intricate details of it. And basically what it is is it's this movie that literally no one has fucking watched. Like, it has like a hundred reviews on IMDb. Like, nobody's fucking seen it. And it's basically a movie, like a documentary directed by high school kids like two high school kids so like minimal crew and the high school kids that are directing the movie are in the shots most of the time because they're fairly bad at like you know filming sure everything um but the funny thing is it's actually it actually is a movie that's directed by people um oh. but the people that direct it is like a two-man crew and the director is also the dp and then there's like an of audio course. person so it isn't untrue you know um but the people in the movie are like they go to this art high school. It's kind of the vibe. And they follow around this one class and they learn about like four. We learn the stories of like four high school students. <clears throat> and uh, they're fascinating as fuck. And also the class is fascinating as fuck. Like all of it is. And like the movie's thesis statement pretty early on is like 
I want you to try and create something without sarcasm. Like, how do you like no commentary, no commentary, create something without commentary mm-hmm. or sarcasm, no, no postmodern sensibilities, none of that, like create something out of nothing. And like, so there are a lot of extended scenes where they just go get like these, like, sh- like there's this bit where this one high school student gets a, like a spinning thing and they they set it up so it can it's like a what are those like a little carousel table yeah like a spinning table thing sits on it and puts a phone on it and pretends to have this conversation while someone spins him around and he just keeps spinning around he's having this conversation until like it picks up speed so much that the phone flies off and he's just like oh well in the middle of this like call and it's just like i have no idea what that's saying yeah but that's incredible you know like that's amazing like i love that they did that and also this dude was like yeah i just kind of want to make my make my body art i guess so he shaves his head into a donut hawk (laughs) which is basically he shaves out everything but the center here and then he puffs that up (sighs) and and everyone's like that's the worst haircut i've ever seen in my life and it's like, I love this person. Like, yes. I fucking would die for this person. Like, fucking love it. Um, but it's just like, this 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 idea is so radical to me that I don't even know. It's so basic, but it's also so radical that create something without commentary, create something without sarcasm. And then I started to think about YouTube. And it's like, even the good stuff, even like left tube, yeah. the good stuff, quote unquote, uh, it's all commentary. Everything, yes. everything on the internet now is commentary. And I remember back before commentary, <clears throat> back when YouTube was basically just a platform where people went to just live in a weird way. And mm-hmm. it was just like, wow, everyone's an eccentric. Yeah. And, and people got popular by just simply being an eccentric. But that's not enough anymore. Now it's all commenting on other things and it's all just an endless discussion. Yes. Like, the internet is now an endless discourse, and I am so tired of discourse, and I'm not asking us to move backward and, like, descend back into a time pre-commentary, but I think that it is possible to live in a time where we can have yeah. people creating things without sarcasm, without commentary, mm-hmm. and just, like, what would that world be? What what is that and it's like what are we talking about actually you know we're talking if we're talking about film right we're talking about film and we're talking about a movie and we're having a discussion about a movie and it's like what are we actually talking about in regards to life like how has anything right changed or or evolved how how's our understanding of anything evolved it it doesn't yeah that's somebody talk YouTube that, reminds me of this short film called World of Tomorrow. It's by Don Hertzfeld. Yes, Have you seen it? I love Don Hertzfeld. Yeah, there's yeah. um uh there's this one part. So it takes place a little bit of background. So it takes place in the future where um this one little girl is able to live forever by impregnating herself with herself and then giving birth to herself so that she can continue to live on in these bodies that are like I don't know. It's really fucked up. But anyway, there's this one part where like an older version of herself goes. In 
into the past to pick up a younger version of herself. She takes her to this room where, like, there's all these people at computers and, like, basically their job is to watch people from the past and kind of analyze their behaviors and learn from their mistakes. And then she directs the little girl to this other section of people who are still, like, you know, they're on these computers watching people from the past. And when you do that long enough, eventually you start watching people watching people on computers mm-hmm. so like you know it's just these people they're sitting there and they're watching people who are watching these computers of people in the past and everything just kind of goes into a loop like that's what youtube is the fact that people are writing analytical like uh they're writing video essays on yms oh, like yeah. what the fuck what the fuck is that people oh, are doing I mean- videos on youtubers commentary on commentary channels because they've just run out of things to talk about Uh, i feel like there's a subtweet going on yeah that's i mean that's literally like that one of the videos that i several of the videos that i have planned are like about the history of video essays and sort of the meta conversation going on there and i get I, i i i agree with you it's weird. I don't know. It's well. I think. I think that there is the the problem with it. Right? Is that it isn't honestly very critical. Like no. you know, people making videos about YMS. It's not that they're making videos about YMS as like some sort of contribution or pro. Like what? What exactly? What? What has he done that has actually changed it? And is that for the better? You know, having some sort of moral or personal conversation about that. That's not what we're doing. No, it's just what what we're doing is literally just saying, God, he's good, isn't he? Yeah. Or God, he's terrible, isn't he? It's like, yeah, it's it's, no actual discussion. Doing a YMS video about a YMS video. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was always my fundamental frustration with a lot of film school classes was we're talking so much about the movie, but we and about movies. uh, And we're never talking about why we care. Like, yeah. Like breaking things back down to it's very fundamental. Yeah. Like, why do we feel the need to tell stories? That's always the thing. Um, My thing, I guess, to close this out, as far as something that I'm into, uh, I am super into niche Twin Peaks garbage. (laughs) I've I've got a pack of 60 Twin Peaks trading cards waiting for me at home, and I am unironically... So excited to get home <laughs> right. and look at them and read the canon flavor text on the back. Oh my to god! To finally learn about the, these characters, I'll learn about these characters, even though I have literally all of the tie-in books and several, like at least seven published, real ass fucking ass books. Real ass fucking ass books. Yeah, right written now. by many people about Twin Peaks <laughs> that I have read and that I have tabbed. Oh my god. I have a watched <clears throat> search on eBay for the out of print Twin Peaks board game that I desperately want. Okay, so here's the vibe, right? You're going to get that board game one of these days. One of these days. It so, might be uh, 10 oh, years, it might be oh, 20 years, but one oh, of these it's gonna days, happen. that motherfucking board game will be in your hands, and when you do, you have to bring it to me, and we yes. have to do a Twitch live stream of us playing fucking through the game. 100%. And you can play Dale Cooper. I'll be Laura Palmer. LOL, I'll be dead. That's the joke. Anyway, uh, no, 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 I won't be... And I want that. Bo- I want that fucking board game. I want to be Audrey Horn. Oh, that don't. But don't we all? Yes. Every time we see her, it's just like this. God damn it! This woman. This woman is somehow like 
liquid sex but in a human form and yeah. also not in a bad way like not in a demeaning way yeah like she's just the best human right in, yeah in the world and as, she's powerful as fuck yeah as the series goes on it, she just becomes better and better and i love her so much yeah yes and yeah she's she's transition goals um oh, shit. anyway yeah yeah I guess I, I will expand mine ever so slightly to say my, 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 the thing that I've been into is like fandom without irony. Like, cause I'm, yes. I'm working on a video about Homestuck and why people should read Homestuck Ooh. and I fucking love Homestuck and I hate how people just demean Homestuck. I literally have a, 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 one of the Homestuck books in my bag. Uh, Rad. Like I, I, I get so frustrated. I've actually connected with a fairly prominent YouTuber who just does videos like explaining concepts in Homestuck, yeah. like connecting them to weird philosophy. And it's so fun talking to him about it because it's just like, I love this comic because it moves me in this very specific way. And so many people like demean the fandom and demean the people who like it. And it's like, guys, just, just stop just right just let enjoy, people enjoy it. let people enjoy the thing and maybe think you know instead of demeaning a bunch of kids who feel uh, things about stuff maybe ask yourself why so many people feel things about that thing or better and, yet ask yourself why you feel the need to come in and, and obliterate somebody else's enjoyment yeah you're not allowed to have fun right exactly. stop having fun um well, this has been a two-hour podcast. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely splitting this into two yeah, episodes. Yeah, this has been two episodes of bullshit yeah. at May's place. Yeah, and we got to two real-ass questions of uh, the yeah. many that were submitted. Right, uh, and we got to talk shit about Moth Cub, which is rad. Oh, yeah, I, I fucking, I hate her. <laughs> that's so, that, that's where you ended right there. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Yeah. We're done. We're done. We're the, done. The end. The end. 